Use wonderment. It gets around everything. Even when you know what's going on and you know what the answer is, it's extremely powerful to look at that person and go, I wonder what that was. You know, I wonder why you do that. Or I wonder mm. what that means. Or, hmm, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why that, you know, why you, if that's having such a negative effect, why you would continue to do that. And people cannot resist answering that honestly. And it often is very revealing to them as well as, as well as to you. You're tuning into the Routine Project Podcast, where I, your host, Justin Crawford, am getting into the minds of today's leading entrepreneurs, thought leaders, celebrities, and so many others with one mission in mind, understanding their routine so we can get to building the ones that make the most sense for us in our personal and professional lives. This is the one show that's hyper-focused on routines and routines only. Thanks for clicking play wherever you're tuning in. Now here's today's episode. Before Dr. Drew and I get into our conversation today, let me tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fires on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier for people to find who you want to talk to faster and for free. I've had several jobs posted for my business, and we also have for the House of Routine. And y'all, the second you post, you will not believe how many people apply and have even reached out. LinkedIn Jobs continues to make our lives so freaking easy. Did I say it was free? I don't know about you listening right now, but I know when I was looking for a job or even now when I'm looking to hire folks, we need a reliable source to do that, right? LinkedIn Jobs is legit and I highly suggest you try it out. Create a free job posting in minutes with LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. And then all you have to do is add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to help spread that word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it so easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you need to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs as number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs is going to help you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash routine project today. That's linkedin.com slash routine project to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. And here we are, everybody. Justin here. And you'll never guess who's joining me today. Okay. You'll probably guess his names on the episode that you probably clicked on. I just wanted to build a little bit of suspense to introduce you to Dr. Drew, uh, who we all know. And we've been watching for a very long time, not just him on and off the camera. Uh, now he's got podcasts. He's up to a lot of incredible things, but we know him more importantly for that for the TV show uh, that he's been hosting for so long, but there's arms and legs to the name Dr. Drew Pinsky that has been growing and evolving over the years. And I, just along with anybody else who's probably tuning in uh, from either Dr. Drew's house or ours, thank you for being here, Dr. Drew. And I'm so excited to chat nothing but routines, your personal wellness journey and everything that's been working in the right ways for you. So thank you for saying yes. Oh, of course. My pleasure. I, I, you know, uh, you're going to find I'm sort of uh, OCD. So, you know, my, my uh, rituals are, are exactly that the capital R rituals very often. 
<laughs> well, let's start there. You know, I think that oftentimes, I don't know if you've been asked before, like, you know, what routines do you have? How would you describe them? But I kind of wanted to begin there with you because it'll, it'll, and I've seen this on the show already, it'll totally evolve into then deeper conversations around what those rituals are for you. Sure. And how would you say your, how would you describe routines in your life now? Like how many do you have? What do they really look like on a daily and kind of how did those evolve? I mean, so I've been a, a, a work, you know, wear, workout nut since I was 14. So I've been, uh, except for short periods of three or four years here and there, I've, you know, working out at least 30 minutes a day has been a part of my life without exception. And my dream was always to have something, a gym of my own, which now my wife initiated probably now 20 years ago in our garage. And it's now built into exactly what I, you know, it's got everything I want. It's, it's, it's so, so literally many days, I would say the, the, the average ritual would be uh, before I get in the car, I'm ready to go to work before I get in the car, 30 minutes of throwing weights around or doing something. Uh, mm-hmm. Except when it gets so damn hot here in Southern California, that gets a little bit weird sometimes, but that, that was, that's sort of the ritual um, because I'm so, so uh, prone to that stuff. Sometimes it, gets away from me. Like right now I'm working out 45 minutes and I'm running an hour. I'm I'm sort of overdoing it right now, but for whatever reason, I got into this mode. How did I get into this? Oh, I I did a reality show that I had to train for and it got me sort of into training a little bit over the top. And uh, that's, that's, I'm not allowed to talk about that, but that's something coming out next year. Yeah. And even in addition to working out, that's how you start your day, you know, we'll get to how you finish it probably before the podcast. Well, it depends. I mean, it depends. I, I, you know, it, it just gets squeezed in. If, if I don't mm. get it squeezed in the morning, it'll get squeezed in somewhere. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily early in the day. Sometimes it's later in the day, but it always just gets, I just run down there and do it, you know, when I have a minute and, uh, and yeah, most of my rituals are at the beginning of the day, I'd say. Mm. And then what are some of those other ones you have? So my toiletry rituals, uh, I, they, because I travel a lot, I have to, you have to, I have to build a kit to transport all my stupid rituals. And it includes, uh, like when I, I, my entire life, when I shaved, I would bleed. And I remember I was doing some interviews for some magazine one time. And this guy goes, you know, I used to cover shaving for men's magazine or something. And I go, really, I've got a problem. And he go, and he took me through all these different things and uh, started me doing things, including shaving in the shower, mm. which, uh, cha- but now I have three different razors and I have a brush and all these stupid things. It's just freaking ridiculous. And then I have to reproduce that when I travel. So there's a kit with all the same stuff in it. Oh my God. So crazy. You said, <laughs> you said OCD as soon as we started this. And yeah. I think that a lot of folks yeah. that we've talked to are the opposite of that. They almost, I mean, you think about anybody we've not only had on this show, but people that you know, you've chatted with, you've interviewed, you've had as clients or, you know, even patients and such. Everybody has different things that will work for them. And for yeah. you, have you found that being OCD is what's going to work and what will always work for you? Well, it's, I, I mean, OCD is a, is a biology, right? So, so I have anxiety disorder and, and it, there's two kinds of anxiety disorders. One that's kind of a mood disturbance and the other that's on the OCD spectrum. I'm on the OCD, obviously. <laughs> and, and when I was in training and, uh, and, and as a, the first 10 years of my career, that obsessiveness was extremely effective at keeping me on top of things that I needed to stay out on top of. And when I had a younger brain, I could, I could stay on top of three or four things at a time and keep them in mind for long periods of time and kind of even sometimes work on them while I was doing other things. And, um, 
yeah, so that obsessiveness really was extremely helpful in terms of being a good physician. Mm. And then you say young brain over the years, how did that change? And how did you kind of, well, is the main thing, the main thing with the aging, which was, you know, the two things that's normal part of aging that everybody complains about word and name finding, which I hate and shrinkage. People complain of shrinkage in memory, but it's really not memory. It's working memory, which is mm. that ability to keep things in mind while you're doing something else mm. that naturally shrinks. Got it. And, you know, I, I remember when we were just thinking about bringing you on the show too, and I was like, thanks, Jackie, we got to bring Dr. Drew on. I think this is like the perfect conversation to have with him. You know, I was beginning to think that we for so long have seen you as not just TV personality, but as an expert in what you've always been uh, focused on in the medical field, which encompasses 700 different things, I'm sure. But over time, you've kind of become this worldwide name. And so to break that down for folks too, if anybody's in the medical field listening, or if anybody who's tuning in that wants to, you know, take what they're doing as considered expertise, which for you is in the medical field, and then turn it into somewhat of a, uh, you know, worldwide personality of some kind. I mean, you've, I was on your website a bit ago, and I just know that there's a lot of things that Dr. Drew does and has built. And in doing so, there has to have been, you know, had to have been some systems and processes. Are there any of those that you've built over time that have really worked for you? Um, no. <laughs> so, so, so the answer, the, the, the reality is uh, that, the, the only system and process I, I could identify for you is a willingness to experiment and improvise. And, and I, if anything, the only process is, okay, be creative, go forward, see if you could, but make something good out of this. There's got to be a reason I'm doing it. That's the only, that's the only criteria. There must be a reason. Even if the reason's not even in that, this particular project. It's something that it holds a promise for something. There's got to be an idea of we're doing something for the good. So, you know, mm -hmm. something to help people, something to educate, something somehow to like this, this reality thing I told you, I was just trained for had a, I had a specific thing in mind that I wanted to accomplish from it. Um, it's never, it's, it's really, <laughs> it's really never to be famous because that, that's got to be the most empty pursuit of all time. I mean, I can't imagine how weird that would feel if that's all you were doing, but, but fame and, and uh, visibility has, has purpose when it has purpose to it, it's very useful. You can do a lot of good, interesting things that way. Yeah. Uh, to try to create any kind of process to what I do, you know, it's, it's, it's on the order of don't quit your day job, stay on top of, you know, really your profession and, and your expertise, and then being willing to sort of when somebody opens a door, walk in it and see and see what's inside and see if you can make something worthwhile out of it. Mm. I can't help but now start to think that you, I mean, you, you started with how you'd probably have a lot of maybe more strict routines for your personal life with the working out and the, and the travel pack of the, the mm -hmm. razor blades and such. Mm -hmm. So if that is so strict for you, then even in the professional realm, since you weren't able to really pinpoint a process or, you know, things that have really been systemized, it sounds like the fluidity of being in, in, in a more fluid headspace in professional life seems to be working better. And it's not, well, just, you, know like it is, of, yeah. you know, it is, it's, it's more that. So, so maybe, you know, in medicine, mm. I have tons of structure and requirements and I, I almost can't even list them all for you. It's sort of, you know, keep up on your continuing medical education, read the literature, you know, do, you know, I, I had a, I had a, a call a, a medical school professor that always say, would always say, um, 
diagnosis, prognosis, treatment book. In other words, you, you got to come up with a diagnosis. You can offer a prognosis once you have the prognosis. Once you have the diagnosis, you can study treatment for that diagnosis and really determine a good treatment. And then you go try to do some sort of research based on that. That's the book part. Mm. Uh, and so it's, you know, that that is the structure to how I, I approach uh, medicine. Also, when I was teaching, which I did a lot of teaching, um, I, I always really beat on the residents about making a decision, being able to substantiate it in currently available literature. But more importantly, if you're wrong, what's your backup plan? What is your backup plan? And then the other thing is always, always taking risk reward into analysis. You know, what, why are you making it based on you know, the entirety of the situation for this patient, you know, what, what is the risk reward analysis, which, you know, this was all something completely overlooked in the COVID pandemic and was so disturbing to me that there was no risk reward diathesis in the all the decision-making. It was really wild. And that, that you can never do good medicine without that risk reward analysis anyway. But mm. so that's all those sort of some of the medical stuff. Um, but the, and also be available at all. I was always, 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 always available. But the the sort of other things I do <clears throat> probably is more about what you're talking about, which is scratching a creative itch. Mm. Like I, there's a part of me that wants to create stuff and wants to explore things and improvise. And you don't you don't really get to do that very much in medicine. And so to 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 the extent that that doesn't have a real structure to it, that's probably what that is. Mm. That's, yeah. And, and even for like a businessman, I remember when we had chatted with Kevin O'Leary a, a long time ago, it was the same way that he would then want to take a television show like Shark Tank in the same way. And it's cr creative itch. Okay. So then for you, is that then leading to podcasting? And then how are you able to kind of balance the two? I mean, with, with having such a strict process and procedure, right? In medicine, but then yeah. now in media. I, it's, I, I don't, I don't, it, it works for me. I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't know that I'm thinking about balancing it. But, but I also do know that, you know, it, I had to focus primarily on one or the other. So up until 2010, my motto was, leave me alone to practice medicine. I, I can find certain hours during the day where you, we can do these creative things um, on certain days, but otherwise I don't, don't, don't even just, I don't even bother with you people. You know, let, let me do my job. Um, around 2010, I had like three different television shows and a radio show and I've been practicing medicine for 35 years or how many years at that point? 25 years. And I looked in the mirror and I said, well, okay, I've done medicine in multiple environments, sort of, sort of had three careers in one going mm. for, for a 15 year period. Maybe it's time to really bring that down, really do a lot less of it. And finally admit to yourself, you're doing these creative things and focus on that for a while. And that was really hard for me. It was very hard, really, really, really hard. Probably took me seven or eight years to really kind of feel comfortable that, you know, I, I kept feeling inadequate and I should be doing more in the hospital and I should be, I wasn't sort of living up to my obligation of my profession. Uh, but I kept sort of telling myself that I was like, um, I, I had done it. I'd done it in, in, a, in a psychiatric setting, in an addiction medicine setting, in an acute hospital setting, an outpatient medical setting. It's okay. You've, you've, you've proved yourself. You can do this. It's okay to do something else for a little while. And just like that, we've hit the middle of the episode. And you know what? I'm going to talk to you about grocery shopping because as difficult as it has been for anybody nowadays, I want to make it easier for you with Thrive Market. 
Finding all your grocery items in one place at an affordable price is almost impossible these days, but with Thrive Market, I get everything I need and so much more. So I want you to be able to do the same. With Thrive Market, you can shop everything from healthy pantry essentials to sustainable meat and seafood to non-toxic cleaning and beauty products, all delivered right to your front door. And if you find a price lower elsewhere, Thrive Market's going to match it. Thrive Market carefully vets each and every item so you can trust that if they sell it, it's probably the highest quality available. Finding everything you need is so easy on Thrive Market because you can filter about 90 plus values and lifestyles to find what works for you. Shop by what you eat and what matters to you. And if you're like me, I just do chicken and spinach and a couple of different things for the bathroom and kitchen, and it all comes to my front doorstep. With over 5,000 food, home, and beauty products, finding what you need is easy with Thrive Market. What was so cool about shopping with Thrive Market is that I remember putting into my virtual cart everything I actually needed, like chicken, spinach, hand wash, deodorant, and then I even tossed a bottle of wine in there too. I've had friends and family use Thrive Market already, and they absolutely love it just as much as I do. It's easy, it's fast, it's affordable, it's everything you want in grocery shopping, and you don't even have to take a trip to the store. Now, when you join Thrive Market, you're joining a community of 1 million plus members and sponsoring a family in need. And with their free and fast carbon neutral shipping, you're also bettering the planet. Sounds like a double hitter to me. Join Thrive Market today and get $80 in free groceries. That's right, $80 in free groceries. That's Thrive Market, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com forward slash routine project to get $80 in free groceries. That's thrivemarket.com slash routine project. I hope you love Dr. Drew just as much as I do, so we're going to get back to that episode, and I promise you he's got some really intelligent things to say about what he does with his routines. And I only imagine how many people who are listening right now also thought about the same things. It's like, I've been good at this for so long, and then now it's time to maybe make a pivot while still continuing to somehow do that. So for you, really it's hard. not... Yeah. So if it's not, how have you made it somewhat easier, a little bit more of, of, of comfort in it, found more comfort in it? Just time, letting time pass, uh, just continuing to, I, I guess it, it's been that I have been able to have fun and enjoy focusing on other things and, and do something worthwhile and good with it. Uh, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, I think if I had not been able to, to my own satisfaction, use all these different platforms to do something worthwhile, it, it would be a problem. It, it would be mm. bad. I, I would, I would probably head back to, to medicine. Um, and I I'm older and, and that, and that crazy amount of work I was doing was really kind of a young man's game. So there's that. <laughs> so do you, feel, do you feel like you've maybe opened up a little bit more time for yourself now? And yes. then how are you yes. kind of spending that away from work? Well, uh, doing rituals, like working out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. He's like, yeah, I, I squeeze, I, you know, I squeezed that 30 minutes in there, uh, yep. for a reason. So outside of that, and then do you take now, I mean, and everybody would probably wonder this about you too, but are you taking vacation? How do you do so? Yes. Or are you just, you so, know? so, so I am sleeping more for the first time in my life. That's been going on for a couple of years now. I used to be chronically sleep deprived, like really sleep deprived. Mm. Um, so I'm sleeping adequately now for the most part. Um, I, you know, my wife really likes to travel. Um, and so we're doing more of that. And we sort of, we're just moving around more. I, I, you know, one of my podcasts is in Austin. So I get to go there on a regular basis. And then we kind of like that. I, I like, you know, being in different environments. Mm. 
And then you mentioned earlier, just everything kind of being more worthwhile and somewhat fulfilling to you with where your time is being spent. How do you view time now and then where you're allocating it now that you've kind of had more, ex- like all this experience and time uh, and what you've been up to? Uh, try to give me that question more specifically. You know, what, what are my time management insights? Is that what you're asking? Or? Yeah. So like when you think about time and how you want to use it now, how do you want to use the time that you've kind of like almost well, reinvested for I, yourself? I, uh, I almost don't, you know, I, I can do, I have exquisite time management. I, I can, I can do time management on two or five minute intervals. No problem. And, and my, head is on a 15 minute interval all the time. So I'm constantly sort of trying to do something and move things forward. Um, I, I don't like having a lot of free time. I, mm. I will use it um, reading or, or talking to people. Uh, I will go through listening to podcasts. I'm studying French right now and trying to get my French really up, up to where it should be. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm addicted to growth. Maybe yeah, I, I like growing and changing and expanding my, my mind. Um, I like spending time with my family. I like spending time with my wife, but I still, I still have to kind of be moving forward or I get mm. very, very, very restless. Was there a particular moment in time where you felt like maybe that like a particular moment in time or experience, or maybe somebody that kind of shaped that and maybe had your mind switched around that? Um, cause I feel like having a growth mindset is one thing, but then was there a moment that really made you feel like you swapped into that? Um, you know, during college, probably it was, it's hard for me to put my finger on cause there's probably a couple of steps in that. Um, you know, during college I drifted for a little while. And then when I came back to the sciences, I was really committed and really into it. And my brain had matured to the point where I could, it was a, like a different person doing these, these, tra- these tasks. And I was in an extremely rigorous program and I got my ass handed to me. But that experience, uh, something about that experience just literally changed my mind, changed my brain in a way that I could do things that I didn't know I could do. And I found that very exciting. And so I just kept kind of going with it. Um, I, it, it, I, I can't say that I was as vigorous during medical school. I just kind of enjoyed that. But then during residency, I got more vigorous again, reading literature and studying science and, and that kind of thing. And just sort of never stopped. I mean, once I got in the habit of reading a lot, mm. it just kept going. And, and I, you know, right, right now I, I go through periods where I'm not reading and I always feel bad about it. And then I'll start binging again on, on books and things that interest me. And then to your point earlier about just kind of having creative outlets outside of the media um, projects that you have and TV shows and podcasts and such, are there other creative outlets that you'll lean on when you feel like you've kind of hit maybe a, a pause point with the books yeah. and the medicine? I mean, I do a lot of sort of reading philosophy and listening to philosophy podcasts. And I, I'm, I'm always trying to pull together anthropology and psychology and trying to understand that more, more thoroughly. I mean, I found Jordan Peterson talking about those things. 12 years ago before anybody else knew who he was. Um, and I don't know, I'm always just trying to, I, I am fascinated by the human experience. That's what fascinates me. And, and I'm always trying to get a better understanding of that. And this recent, you know, I've lived long enough now that I see historical arcs or I've lived through historical arcs as well. And they're very confusing to me, particularly the present moment and how you get here and what, what the forces are, what the personality 
characteristics are of a given generation and how that plays out in a historical context is, is kind of intriguing to me. Mm. And then the more that you're reading on these things too, do you find that there's like, um, there's almost like more excitement or stimulation to continue learning about the reason I ask is because I feel like a lot of us stopped reading, uh, and almost like stopped wanting to learn more about maybe the past or even what's to come. But for you, um, I can't imagine that. I cannot even imagine that. Yeah. So it always, it always leads to more excitement and more interest. And it's a, you know, I went to a liberal arts college and and they, Mm. they really did a good job of, of, there's liberal arts and then there's excellent liberal liberal arts. I went to excellent liberal arts of training and whereby, you know, when we, when we learned calculus, we, we literally learned what was Isaac Newton thinking when he put together what a derivative was and what was he thinking next? And how did he, you know, it, it had, everything had historical or, or, or some sort of context. It wasn't just, you know, the science necessarily. And, um, that, that, that stayed with me. It was a really extremely important thing for me. And, and I've just never let, never let it go. Uh, I, I'm, I don't recognize the institution so much anymore, but I, it was, I'm very grateful for what it did for me. Yeah. And then that's, I feel like a lot of times people, you say human experience It's the first time I've heard that from anybody I've talked to. And so whether it's people you're surrounded by folks you're interviewing or co-hosting shows with, or is there some level of intriguement about the human experience also that maybe you've had a conversation recently about that kind of confirmed to you that that's also what other people are going through? Cause I wonder like, you know, well, I mean, I, I've have lots of people that are intrigued, but you, I mean, it's hard to be a physician, particularly on the mental health side, and not be intrigued by the human experience. I mean, you, you, if, if I, that seems like a pretty ugh, grueling, boring uh, endeavor if, you, if you're not at least interested or curious or, you know, at least interested in it. So, you know, I'm interested in the total, I've had this great clinical experience where I've seen the medical and the psychiatric parts of the human experience. And it, it really gives you quite, quite a perspective. But I, I always find that it it has limits, and that's when I start falling into philosophy and and uh, anthropology and history, and and I, wherever I go, there's people interested in this stuff. I, I more recently I have become interested in people that are interested in persuasion for some reason because I don't I don't have any I have little or no knowledge about that, and never even occurred to me to sort of pay attention to that. But I've it seems like the present moment, a lot of people are using persuasion and we better understand what that is and its effect mm-hmm. on us. And yeah, what, what have people even said about that? Because I remember it was like, in order to get Dr. Drew on a podcast like this, I mean, there's a, some level of persuasion between his publicist and then producers and such. And not as, you know, so is there anything you've discovered recently about it? Uh, a, a lot of things uh, that, that it's... It, Mm, well, where can I start with it? That it's all around us, that we don't really recognize the impact other people are having, that there are techniques to it, and that there are people that sort of understand those techniques. I mean, you could sort of understand it kind of grossly as sales techniques, you know, sales mm-hmm. or uses persuasion techniques. Uh, and, and there's like David McCraney just wrote a book called How, How, to, How Minds Change. And he's been fascinated. He's another podcast I found and has been fascinated with this idea of changing minds, changing opinions. And uh, it's hard. I, I, I guess the one, I guess the reason I got sort of interested in it, I, I, you know, I work in the world. A lot of my work was done in, in 
uh, helping addicts get sober. And these are people whose motivational systems are broken. They're just, they're, mm. they're biologically not right. So the usual motivation to survive and thrive completely destroyed. And one motivation emerges, which is do more drugs. And in that setting, there's all kinds of techniques you have to use to kind of get people to cooperate and move along and to help them get better. And I was running into people who, who thought somehow you should just tell people, you know, use sort of a Dr. Phil technique. Don't you see what you're doing, son? Like, yeah, yeah, he sees exactly what he's doing. He's destroying his life and his family. And he still does it because there's a motivation problem. There's a drive problem. And, and I thought, wow, people do not understand how hard it is for people to change. And I'm, I'm dealing with obviously the most difficult uh, people for change, but I started looking at how hard it is for anybody to change. Mm. And uh, it is really hard. Our brain is wired up in such a way that change is threatening. Ch change, you know, changing who we are is as threatening to the brain as changing our physical body, you know, losing a limb or a digit or something mm. that our brain is wired to push back on change of any type. And so you have to use techniques to get around some of that for people's own good. Did you worry? Oh uh, yeah. I, I'm like sitting here staring at doctors. You're talking. I'm like, Whoa, that's like, that's so true. It's like the mind is always wired and people will throw that stuff around loosely. Like it's nothing. And then it all relates to mental health. And or, like you said, or you could, as though you could argue, you could rat, you could use logic to taint, change somebody's mind. I mean, there's tons of research that shows, yeah, you can, you can through showing people lots of evidence, you can change their minds on one narrow part of a topic, but they'll often double down on other parts of the same topic, even though they'll agree with you in this one narrow area. And um, it essentially requires empathy and contact. Mm. And if your uh, you know, audience is interested, I would, uh, there's one sort of technique or, or piece of advice that I would offer, which is uh, the, the term wonderment, you use wonderment. It gets around everything. E even when you know what's going on and you know what the answer is, it's extremely powerful to look at that person and go, I wonder what that was. You know, I wonder why you do that. Or, I wonder mm. what that means. Or, Hmm, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why that, you know, why you, if that's having such a negative effect, why you would continue to do that. And people cannot resist answering that honestly. And it often is very revealing to them as well as well as well as to you <laughs> i love that listen i'm over here thinking about like wait how how will how will we uh wrap dr drew's episode in the next five minutes and i was like all right it has to be a little bit of advice focused right and then you're talking about wonderment that's a perfect place to even think to leave off because this curiosity is ultimately going to lead to a lot of different things and like you said reveal those things but now my final question for you dr drew when you think about what you've been able to learn about yourself through all of this not just what we've talked about in 25 minutes but really understanding the human experience and ultimately humans who are in that experience is there any one thing you've learned about yourself that you would encourage other people to try to discover for themselves over well, this, I did you know, therapy. I was in the therapist office for 11 years. I, I had anxiety disorder. I had some childhood trauma and I was disconnected from my primary affects. And mm. it was uh, really important for me to do that. And I became a much more effective instrument for other people. So, you know, I, I learned about what, you know, what the importance I would say of bodily based feelings, you know, feelings all come out of the body. And if those are not things that you can identify and regulate and sort of uh, be connected to, 
do something, whatever is necessary to make sure that that gets hooked up. Mm. And there we go. Everybody, that was Dr. Drew. And Dr. Drew, thank you for doing this with me. Pleasure. Uh, you, I mean, I kind of lied. I want to take 30 seconds to ask you if there's one thing you do every single day, non-negotiably outside of working out and your, uh, and any other, you know, you'd mentioned having the, the shaving things with you at some point, right? But is there yeah. one other thing you have to do every yeah. single day, non-negotiably? Yeah. I, I didn't tell you about my my teeth rituals too. I, I'm <laughs> flossing and did sticks and all this bullshit, and and and, uh, and then I have to take medication. You know, I'm hypertensive. I, I have you know medical stuff. I'm that of that age, and so you know these are all things that I got to do. I can't imagine mm -hmm. not doing it, but but they're all. I, I can tell my OCD because they get more elaborate over the years. They get more like there's two mouthwashes now instead of one. Okay. And then guess what? That's OCD. <laughs> and we'll leave it there. Uh, Dr. Drew, thank you. Thank you for everything. It's, it's, right. it's so cool sometimes to get in the brain of, of folks who also do that right for a living. And ultimately you've had so many things that, and I can go down the list, but I'm just going to leave it in the descriptor on the podcast episode for people to go check out. And if you're listening, thanks for clicking play. And there's, two podcasts that Dr. Drew is on uh, and ultimately all the other platforms that he's hosting and, and behind the, and you know, there's a show coming out next year, apparently. So we'll link everything below, but Dr. Drew for the time and energy and, and just thoughtfulness that you've put into this with me. Thank you so much for, for doing it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Hey, it's Justin again. And that concludes today's episode. I hope you were able to learn something new or exciting about routines in general and can take something away from it. Now I've got plenty more episodes coming up on this podcast, so be sure to click that follow button wherever you're listening. Oh, and you know how it goes. The show only gets better when I hear from you. So drop a rating and review right there to let me know what you loved and what I can do better to keep you coming back on this podcast every week. Now, until I get that next episode to you, take care of your routines and inspire others to do the same.